the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. This is how Noah felt, isn't it? It's a lot of rain. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's over the top. Well, what are you going to do? Right? It beats snow. Say that. You know what you're going to (laughs) do? First off, to anyone who's struggling with flooding... My heart goes out oh, to you. Oh, you poor things. My heart goes out to you. John, you know so exactly what that's like because that was you last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I it's surely happened, do. It's happened to me. I just, so I, mm. you know, gosh, we wish you all the best if that's what you're suffering. Oh um, if you're a person who's not suffering flooding but might be interested in gardening, I will tell you this. If you want to dig up a bed in your yard, this is the best chance you will ever have. Isn't it hard to get that? And the soil is so saturated. Oh, no. It's so easy. Really? Have you, you've never dug up a bed. Trust me. You would know. Okay. Digging up a bed when you've had this much rain is so easy. Okay. Compare, oh, my gosh. So this is your time. If you're thinking, gee, I, should, behind. You know, I might want to do a vegetable garden. Seriously, do it, go out tonight and dig. Really? And you're going to be so glad. Okay. So you did this already? I've been doing this for the last three days because really? it's been raining so much. I right, thought this right, is my right. ideal opportunity. Well, holy so, heck. I mean, it's, there's no one in sight. We're going to go to the Pirate game tonight. Are you going to go? Oh, I can't imagine they're even going to play. Look at the radar. Holy smokes. The radar looks bad. Holy. It looks super green. And I don't want to go sit undercover and wait in a rain delay and yada, yada. So I'll talk my kid out of it. And oh, try to. Sad. I know. Yeah, I got tickets. Uh, it's Chris Archer tonight, I think. <laughs> Okay, it might be a reason to skip no, that listen. as well. listen. Come on. Listen. You guys, one in okay. 400. Listen. You know that's, he's bad. Okay, that's not, it's not one in 400. He's won one game. He's a great guy, and I believe he's going to come back. Well, he's a sparkling personality. He's a great personality. However, you know, if personality was a major league success, you know, there'd be many people in the Hall of Fame. There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Who was crying? No, uh, Chris Archer might be crying considering that's his exactly record. That's exactly who's crying. Right, right. You know what we need now? We need now? We need ourselves a little ice cream. Oh, yeah. The ice cream truck. Now, when I think about that, I think of the big white truck that had the large good humor insignia on the side. Yeah. And I remember going out and I was always conflicted. Because I wanted a dream sickle every single time. While at the same time thinking, well, if it's the ice cream truck, shouldn't I get something chocolate? No. Really? You that, were conflicted by I, that? I, 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 that was my constant thought as a child. The dream sickle was your choice. What, well, the dream sickle is so delicious. Mine is the uh, Sherbert push-up. Listen, that's a great choice. I think so, too. That is, aren't you sad when you get to the plastic? Oh, you know it's coming. You Here know it it's coming. Right. How about for, for a lot of kids, they get the largest thing, which is the red, white, and blue rocket pop. The bomb pop. Right. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive. Which is delicious. Right. But it melts very, very quickly mm-hmm. if it's a hot day. I, 
I had aspirations to want at some point, I wonder if you did as well, to be an ice cream truck driver. Oh, I never did think of that. And all the jobs we've no, had, really, I always I wanted to do that. I that as an occupation. Really? Just to drive around. I mean, because your, your mere presence makes kids happy. Wouldn't that it, be fun? It would be really fun. However, if you had to drive an ice cream truck today, you would want to like jump out a window. Why? Be- because the music of today's ice cream truck what do you is mean? totally different than the music of an ice cream truck when I was growing up. It's not this? That's what, oh. it, that's what it is. Thank you, Mike. That's what it is. So it's reported that ice cream truck drivers hear that music in their sleep okay, because well, they play if, it on a loop. If, it's a 40-second loop. If that's the music that you heard in your sleep. Oh, you'd go crazy. Now, I wonder though, because when our kids were little and I... What, the arrival of the ice cream truck was greeted with jubilation. The first time the ice cream truck arrived on our street, and we lived when our kids were little, we lived on a dead end street, and there were fifteen kids, you know, little kids mm. on that street. My general rule was: first time the ice cream truck shows up, everybody gets ice cream. That was the rule. Now, though, when's the last time you saw or heard an ice cream truck? Well, two weeks ago. Two weeks. You saw one. I did. I saw one in my neighborhood, but it was playing that horrible oh. version of ice cream truck music. That sounds Listen, like a video game. It's horrible. Was it's it a horrible. Mr. Softy? The ice cream truck? Oh, or was I, it? What? Is that a technical term or is that just like, that guy looks like Mr. Softy? No, no. It's, isn't Mr. Softy like sort of the, you know, the standard for ice cream trucks? I've never heard of Mr. Softy. What? No, because we had the good humor truck. The good humor trucks playing. to me were sort of like little, you know, Little little trucks. They were just kind of like, a, you know, like just tiny. They weren't like the big Mr. Well, Softy truck. Well, I mean, trucks. tiny or not, it had ice cream in it. I don't think I cared I what size it was. Well, the Mr. Softy truck is the guy got out of his seat and went, you know, in the back of the truck oh, and stood there. Oh, we never had that. Oh. Yeah, we never had that. So, so the I guy to get off. But this person that I heard a couple weeks ago was playing that horrible music, and it makes me want to lose my mind. Right. Okay. So I saw in this article from uh, OK Whatever magazine that a lot of people like me really hate the electronic music. Yeah. Okay. Noise complaints are common about ice cream trucks, and they have been happening back into the 1980s, but they've been increasing over the last few years. Okay. Noise complaints. Right. People are so fragile. I know. So from 2010 to 2014, New Yorkers, and of course, we, we know the, who our sample is. They lodged more than 7,000 complaints, okay, or about five complaints per day about the music. Now, I'm fine with the first thing that Mike played. Yeah, sure. Whatever what, what that first thing was, Mike, that's okay. Or the ice cream truck when I was- Yeah, that sounds like a kid's nursery. Right? I like It sounds like a, a wind-up music box. However, if the ice cream truck sits there for 15 minutes, that does make you a little nuts. But it's not nearly as bad as the no. electronic thing. Right. But isn't that- Horrible. Mm, it's worse. My guy always had a bell. That's well, all he had. There was no ding, music. Ding, ding, ding. That's all there was That's was the bell. Nice. See, isn't the? I think the bell is the way to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So when we were growing up, we didn't have you know the good humor man. Although they made the rounds, we had Connie, the ice ball man, and Connie and his brother. They sort of covered portions of you know our our East End neighborhoods, and they drove these old sort of like jeeps that had comics on them, and then you bought an ice ball. For a dime. Mm. Is or that a bag like a snow cone? It's a snow cone. Okay, so it's, it's, like, an ice it's ball. like Gus and Yaya's, right? In West Park. Since your dad was a lad. I love that. And they're still there, Gus and Yaya. Well, Yaya's passed away. Right. 
but the family is still there. Yeah, Gus was there. Really? Um, about two weeks ago. It's got to be like 90. Maybe. You think? Gus and Yaya, since your dad was alive. So uh, I call him an ice ball. What do you call him? Snow, snow cone. cone. No, you don't see snow cones around either. No, but I like a snow cone. Me too. Mike, did you grow up liking a snow cone? No, I always got the screwball. What's the screwball? <laughs> No, not for, that doesn't wait. surprise me. No, the, <laughs> screw, the screwball was it was amazing. It was like it was like an icy, but it was in in a shape of a of a plastic cone. And at the bottom of was there a gumball? It's a gumball. I oh, mm-hmm. I don't know that. And known as the screwball, and it, it tasted like like a cherry cherry ball. It was so good. Hmm. That's what I, I get all the time. Really? Yeah. Did you have an ice cream truck? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, good humor or like you know, Mister Softy. Um, good humor. Okay. Yeah. I wonder so, if the good humor company is still in business because you don't see yeah, those well, white well, trucks yeah, anymore. Yeah, but you know what? That you, If you go into the freezer aisle of your local grocery store, there are good humor things that are available there. Oh, really? So they probably- I think that's why the ice cream truck kind of fell out of favor is all of those little treats are now available in your grocery store. But still, it's, you, it's right. definitely you want it when you want it. Right, you're like out walking around, and all of a sudden it's three o'clock on a you know Tuesday afternoon, and there's the ice cream guy. I'm not going to run home to my freezer. I want to go and get the guy. Do you? Yeah, See, definitely. I, but, but, well, yeah. you're going to be like a mom and go. We have that at home, so you're not going to get that now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, first off, I am a mom, so yeah, I am going to be like one. But I think that if you buy it at the grocery store, you have it more frequently, and so it doesn't seem as special. Oh, that's that's really yeah. I guess so. When I was little, I rem- now, I don't know if it was because Pittsburgh was just different then, or markets were different then. But you could never get a push up in the grocery store. No, but you could get a nutty buddy. You could get a nutty buddy, but or a fudge sickle. Oh, but yeah. that was about it. Or cream sickle. Or that, but that was a, or like a popsicle or something. Yeah, yeah, None yeah. of those other things. Well, now every one of those things right. you can get in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of seems like you don't need the ice cream man as much. I need the ice cream man, really. And I've does yes, the ice cream man come to your neighborhood? I've not seen him. No. Have, have, what about last year? I've not seen him. No. <laughs> Since we moved from that dead end street, I've not seen the ice cream man. Maybe that's just me. Look, I'm not home for one thing. I mean, he right, might you do be have there. a job that could be part of it. <laughs> he might be there. Yeah, not hanging out with bare shorts and you know t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sad. Okay, so your thoughts about ice cream truck music? Is it annoying to you? Would you be one of the New Yorkers that filed a complaint? Uh, initially, I would celebrate it, but after like five minutes or so, I'm not going to file a complaint. I mean, that's pretty cold. No, it sparks joy. It does. I'm Maria Kondo. Oh, see, Maria Kondo, she cleaned that truck out in a heartbeat, wouldn't she? Yeah, can you imagine how, like, well put together the fudge sickles and nutty buddies would be? (laughs) Right. Alphabetical order. All her little bomb pops segregated by color. Very nice. That's perfect. Her little choco tacos lined up. If you you got a story about the ice cream truck or know of an ice cream truck, let us know. Yeah, find us online, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Instagram. We, I'm one, wouldn't it be great if you were like outside in the parking lot right now? We could run down in a commercial break and get ourselves a, a creamsicle or a push-up. Or a screwball. Whatever. I'll and take I, it And all. I'd still be conflicted. Do I go dreamsicle or do I go chocolate? Yeah. No, you go dreamsicle. Take a break. Come back. Jerry Boyer is going to be with us in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, financial collapse, how nations undergo financial collapse. That's next. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New music. New music from Ryan Stevenson with Lifted Hands. With Lifted Hands. 
Scars come with living from Toby Max. Scars come with living. And let it rain from Crowder with Mandisa. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorite. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, Hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own my pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code word share like comment tweet are these foreign terms to your business they may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales we're salem surround we take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders letting you run your business while we deliver customers we offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com surroundpittsburgh.com connecting you with new customers most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership but not the word fm discount shopping club no one our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10, right here on 101.5 Word FM. Since man has started to trod the earth, civilizations have risen, civilizations have fallen. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is editor of Town Hall Finance, here today to talk to us about the collapse of nations undergoing uh, financial changes. Jerry, welcome back to the show. How are you, friend? I'm fine. How are you doing, John? Real good. Real good, though. Well, now we were just talking about ice cream truck music, Jerry, and this sounds like um, this is this conversation is going to be a downer after that. Let me let me stick with ice cream for a sec and ask you: You've lost a tremendous amount of weight over the last I don't know two or three years, and I'm wondering if ice cream is something you've sworn off. Uh, yeah, um, sugar altogether, yeah. Um, and sugar substitutes, um, and I don't know. I mean. I don't know if it's more of a downer to talk about civilizational collapse and ice cream truck music. I always found ice cream truck music to be a little creepy. Yeah, um, you're I, one of those I, I don't hear that. I don't hear that and think, oh boy, I, I, I hear that and you know think like horror movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so you hear I like I don't want to say anything against the ice cream truck people, but um, 
you know, right. I, it always came off to me as a little like, okay, where are my kids? Is everyone okay? Right. Well, about, address your emails to Jerry Boyer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> about five, apparently about five New York residents complain about the ice cream truck every day. Is it the same ice cream truck or? Um... Yeah, that, that, that was unclear. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. But anyway, we digress. Yeah, we do digress. All right. So uh, the financial network is something that is has the complexity of a living organism because it is a living organism. Um, and, you know, economics is not my background, but, I, you know, all of us recognize that we're part of the economy of America and things are looking good right now. It's one of the reasons why Donald Trump's uh, missteps in so many other areas haven't hurt him as much as they could have because the economy is currently good. You agree? All right. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I feel like the world is divided between people who think it's better than it is and people who think that it's worse than it is. Um, because the nature of politics is that it splits us, and so we're all in or we're all out. And what I try to do every day is just look at the data and forget any political affiliations or grudges or anything else or old, you know, old arguments and just look at what the data tells me. And the data tells me we've got a normal economy. Now, it feels good to have a normal economy for, because for 10 years we had a really lousy economy. But we don't have a great economy. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I supported the tax cuts. I'm, I was for them. But we have a pretty good economy, and I don't want to exaggerate how good that is because I hear all my super Trumpy friends using the word boom, um, and that word would have been fine last year, but I don't think that applies anymore this year. Um, and I hear other people talking about the lousy economy and how the tax cuts all went for the rich and Wall Street versus Main Street. And that's nonsense, too, because most of the benefits have been in the employment markets. Um, and the profits have dropped for three quarters in a row, um, but wages have risen. So the tax cuts have been pretty good for the labor markets, which means for working people. Um, and they have not been great for Wall Street. Uh, markets have not done all that well. Um, and so it's kind of a mixed economy on the better end. It is almost dead center average economic growth for really? the past, say, half century. Yeah. That's surprising to hear. Really, it is. Because you'd think, you know, reading the headlines that we're, we're boomtown. Yeah, the first quarter growth rate was 3.2%. 3.2% is literally the exact average of the post-World War II economy. From, wow. from, from the end of World War II to now, basically, for, if, if you go to like the Fed website, the, the data that's available, it is dead center middle. And this morning it was revised down to 3.1, so it's slightly below average. Um, but again, we had gotten so we'd gotten into that really lackluster recovery. We had a kind of a mini depression in 2008, 2009, and then we had a lousy recovery um, after that. So we're back to normal. Back to normal is a lot better yeah. than languishing. So I'll take it. Uh, but we can do better, and we ought to work on doing better. So the, I guess the good news is we're not Venezuela, because uh, as you talk about nations undergoing financial collapse, clearly their economy has. Oh, absolutely. Um, and there are patterns to financial collapse, and we don't really fit those patterns. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people who live sort of in a kind of a mortal fear. And my observation is maybe Christians more than other people, which is interesting, uh, in sort of fear of economic collapse, hmm. as if it's some kind of comet, you know, or asteroid that can just strike from nowhere. But, you know, I've been, I've been doing a deep dive study looking at data, very, very complex data models, and there are patterns. You lose a war, you know, that causes a financial collapse. You get extremely high levels of debt, higher than ours. 
uh, then and then you do something that indicates you're going to default on the debt. That causes financial collapses. You do something crazy politically, like you have a regime change, and someone comes in like a Muammar Gaddafi and nationalizes all the, you know, all the you know companies or something like that. That sort of thing causes financial collapse. Uh, but absent things like that, you know, financial, we're not going around sort of always just like on eggshells, you know, financial collapse just a moment away. And I feel like there's a lot of people who think like like we are. Um, there's some people who think it'll never happen. They're wrong. It does happen. It's always happened before, so there will be other financial collapses. But there's other people for whom it's like a boogeyman that just appears out of nowhere. And so, they, you know, they're all in gold or they're all in cash and they're not invested. And, or maybe they're like in Bitcoin or, I don't know, shotguns and freeze-dried food. We get a lot of that stuff, you know, in our crowd. Um, and that's not really rational either. Right. So why is that, Jared? Can you can you delve into the psyche of that? Because even the, uh, things are good, right? You're saying things are things good. Are yeah. Things but are good. but when you read the headlines, whether it's you know in the Wall Street Journal, the Times of London, or whatever, there's always that you know sort of boogeyman in the corner saying, "Yeah, things are good." However, it's going to get bad, and then you know fill in the blank. Soon, now, next week, next month. It's always. Things are good, so why can't we just enjoy things being good? Yeah, I don't know. I think some of us can. Um, I think that, um, you know, in economics, we study the correlations between things. Like, if taxes go up, does the economy go up or does it go down, right? Um, so that's a correlation. One of the things I like to study is how do you correlate headlines? Like, what, what could you use mm. to predict the headlines of newspapers and websites and cable news? Um, and if you tried to correlate headlines to data, you really wouldn't get a high correlation. What you can, I think the highest correlation you can find is between the political affiliation of the website and whether their party is in power. So what, what I see now is if you are a media outlet that is conservative and you're a Trump supporter, the headlines will be positive when Trump is in office and negative when he isn't. Those same people were very negative. All the headlines were very negative during the Obama years. Okay, so oh, I see conservative Fox News, it's all propaganda. Well, hold on, CNN, MSNBC, just the reverse. So CNN and the industry, even Bloomberg, very negative about the economy. They really don't like the Trump agenda. So, I mean, if... If, if the pattern is my guy's in office, therefore everything's great, or my guy's not in office, therefore everything's terrible, that tells us that these headlines aren't really reflecting any reality at all, and maybe it's best to ignore them. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what's the best guide to what's going on for the economy for any individual person? What they actually see around them. Nobody knows your economy better than you do. So when you look around at your job, are you busier or less busy? Are there more or are there fewer customers? Your, your own, that's, that's your greatest source of knowledge is what you actually see around you. Mm -hmm. Headlines will take you away from your zone of greatest knowledge to your zone of least knowledge, which is the zone of political propaganda and spin. I'd say, really, I mean, I used to be on financial news a lot. I would say, ignore it. It's really, they're not out there to help you. <laughs> they're not on your side. So really, ignore it, screen it out. Jerry Boyer is with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, I want to go back to John brought up Venezuela a couple minutes ago. And, of course, the, the stories coming out of Venezuela are so tragic. Um, but, you know, it's it seems like a curious um, sociological or anthropological construct that we're in, that we're watching Venezuela collapse, um, a socialist country, and yet 
this is the time when Americans, uh, especially younger Americans, are embracing the idea of socialism more than ever. I mean, it's hard to believe that both those things are happening concurrently. Yeah, um, except probably the news sources they're looking at don't have headlines about Venezuela. Uh, so it's like not on their radar screen. Um, and somebody has convinced them that, I don't know, like Sweden or Norway are socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact Sweden and Norway both have lower business taxes than we do, um, lower, you know, pretty low government spending. They have much lower government regulation. On re- roughly half of the measures of economic freedom, these so-called Nordic socialist countries are more free market than we are. They do have more welfare benefits and they do have higher taxes on the rich, but in every other measure, they are more free market than we are. So whoever controls the conversation controls people's thought process. So they're not talking about Venezuela and people slaying and eating their own pets to stay alive. Those stories are not making it on to MSNBC, and they're not making it on to CNN. And the New York Times is doing a little bit of it because they're the paper of record, and it certainly isn't making it into the social media. And I assure you that the AOC and Bernie Sanders are not talking about that stuff. So because they only get echo chamber news, they look at some place like, I don't know, Switzerland or Austria, and they say, or like I said, Norway or Sweden, and they say, oh, that's working. Someone told me that's socialism, so I guess socialism works. By the way, I would say that is our greatest plausible threat of financial collapse, is that we have a sudden political shift to the left like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have, we actually have candidates, Bernie, for example, um, Elizabeth Warren, who are talking about 80 or 90 percent um, top tax rates. Oh my gosh. If we do that, we would collapse. That's exactly nationalization, de- uh, more devaluation, something called modern monetary theory, which basically says ignore spending limits entirely and just print money to demand for government spending. That is exactly the kind of thing that I'm seeing in our data. The most common way that you get a financial collapse is that kind of economic regime change where global investors say, uh-uh, nope, and capital goes on strike. So if we do have a financial collapse in America, that would probably be the way we do really? it. Okay, so devil advocate. Say, you know, next year President Trump loses, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren goes into office. You know, we swing deeply to the left. There's a possibility that could happen. Yeah, and if that happens and they really uh, embrace those policies rather than someone talks sense to them, um, and they have sufficient majorities in Congress to actually get that sort of thing implemented, then it is really plausible that we have the same sort of thing that you saw with the European debt crisis. Um, that we have the same sort of thing where we have really catastrophic financial collapse. There are a lot of circuit breakers that keep us away from that. But, you know, as you go out over the longer term, as more people who lived through the 70s die off, uh, and more and more people who saw, you know, the great improvement of the 80s die off, and we have less memory of stagflation and all the rest of it, and we have that kind of decisive economic shift, yeah, absolutely, we could see uh, we could see a financial collapse. That would be that would probably be my base case if we had a sudden move in that direction. Why? Because it happens to everybody else, and we're not magic. Uh, I mean, America doesn't work because we're magic. You know, there's not there's not pixie dust here. Our soil, our water, and our everything is that we're we're human beings. Uh, we followed certain principles which made us economically incredibly prosperous. If we violate those principles then the whole thing runs in reverse. I mean, this thing can run in reverse, and it has for many people. Argentina used to be very prosperous. Venezuela used to be fairly prosperous. Uh, So it can happen. It has happened. 
So why is it then that we, you know, you mentioned news sources, and I recognize that we all have our own news sources, and so we oftentimes are in the echo chamber and only get, you know, uh, input from people who already agree with our political perspective. But seriously, there still has to be some... the facts of history have to somehow, like, you know, infringe on our reality to the point where we think, no, wait a minute. Now, look at what's happening in Venezuela. Are we really going to vote for Bernie Sanders? I mean, we're really going to. It's just hard for me to believe that people are that ignorant. And we're not even talking history. We're talking something that's currently going on. Yeah, well, I don't think we will vote for Bernie Sanders. I don't think Bernie Sanders is the next president of the United States. I think the most plausible next president of the United States is the current president of the United States. I think the second most plausible president of the United States is Joe Biden, the former vice president. Biden is to the left of, of uh, Trump, except maybe on trade, um, but he is to the right of the Democratic field. So I'm not shivering in the corner that we're going to get Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or something crazy like that. Um, And there is a history of Democrats sort of running to the left in the primary and then running to the center during the general election. Um, And then, you know, look what we saw with Clinton. He kind of was a left in the primary, then he wins the election, he moves a little bit to the center, he raises taxes, the economy contracts. Um, people react by putting Republicans in charge of Congress. And President Clinton said, you know, you think I raised my, your taxes too much? Guess what? I think I raised them too much, too. Mm-hmm. Moves to the center, does welfare reform, cuts capital gains taxes, and we get an economic boom. So there are things there that help us. Um, so that's why my base case is far from an economic collapse for America. Uh, but over the longer term, if we really, if, if, um, if millennials don't learn a little economics, <laughs> and baby boomers die off, um, and Gen X starts to die off, then we could uh, we could be in real trouble. On the other hand, the group after the millennials seems to be a little more common sense. I'm you know I'm sensing some some a little more freedom agenda and a little you know reaction against political correctness from whatever you call the next Gen, Gen Y. Is that what you call them? I don't know. I don't you know. know. I don't yeah. know so, yeah, they're a little more libertarian. So um, we've got a system that is pretty good at guarding us against sudden turns to the far right or sudden turns to the far left. Yes, well, we're all in favor of wisdom. Let's take a quick break. Jerry Boyer is with us. We're talking about finance, nations that are undergoing collapse, and uh, where we are as far as the United States of America. Stay with us. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting The Ride Home. Hi, this is Dennis Prager. In addition to radio, I have spent years, actually decades, in a classroom teaching the Torah. The class was called Dennis Teaches the Torah. I took all five books and explained fascinating details that most people had not seen before. Every lecture, every class for every book was recorded over 250 hours, and it was made available to the public. In the Prager store, you can now buy the complete Torah teachings. You'll hear and learn what the students in the classroom heard and learned. You can listen on your phone, iPad, laptop. To celebrate the release of the new volume of the Rational Bible, Genesis, the Prager store is offering all of my Torah teachings for 50% off and giving away a free autographed copy of the new book. Go to PragerStore.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. 
Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. If you've been thinking about a new car or truck, now is the time. This month, you could save 18% off the MSRP on select 2018 models still in stock. For example, the Chevy Cruze, Malibu, and Silverado all qualify. And you could buy with confidence knowing the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. Hey, Pennsylvania. Need collector car insurance? Only Haggerty has the expertise and passion to protect your car. Quote at Haggerty.com slash east or with your local agent. Things would happen in church that you weren't allowed to laugh. Word FM presents Funny Things Were Happening and we had to pretend like it wasn't happening. Ladies Night Out with writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. sister got up and she mined to a Yolanda Adams song and it was beautiful. It's a night out for the girls. As she was miming and she was twirling, her wig came off. June 21st at the Bible Chapel. I have not seen the type of power or anointing that could make us forget your hair Get early bird admission now through May 31st at wordfn.com. A flash flood watch is in effect through 11 o'clock this evening. A shower, a locally heavy thunderstorm will be around through the evening hours tonight. We'll turn out partly cloudy later on, along with some areas of fog, low 58. For tomorrow, clouds and sun, a passing shower, high 76. Saturday, a couple of showers, along with a heavy gusty thunderstorm for the afternoon, 79 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, I don't know what the purpose of, of Robert Mueller's statement was yesterday, to be honest with you. I, I thought at first he was speaking so that he could, you know, let Congress know that he wasn't going to be a, a witness for them. Um, but then yeah. after I listened to I heard it live. After I listened to what he said, I thought, well, it seemed like he was actually trying to instigate um, talk of impeachment. It, w- it was an odd commentary to me. Did you hear it? Uh, I heard uh, some of it, not all of it, not live. It was confusing to me, too. I think he was under enormous pressure to say something because I think um, the base of the Democratic Party has its heart set on an impeachment agenda. Um, And as a registered Republican, I wish them every success in that Mm -hmm. um, because I think it would be seen by the moderate middle of the country as a vengeful uh, and partisan and would almost ensure you know, Republican victory um, next year. On the, although, on the other hand, as a citizen, I don't like to see anybody go crazy, even the party that I'm not a member of. Um, but um, I think that Mueller's just under this tremendous pressure. It's sort of like at some point it was almost like he was saying, I'm saying something so that nobody expects me to say anything. Right. This is my final statement. Leave me alone. Leave me out of it. With a little bit of, if you want to pursue it, Dems, go ahead, but I'm not part of this. Right. It's sort of like, you know, if you would revisit Watergate and ask the particulars in Watergate to, to comment after the fact, I don't understand what the point is now. It's just, it's just political. Right. So this is, so this is over. So why, and, and I, I don't know if you thought this, Jerry, at the conclusion of his statements, I thought, 
So why did we do all this? <laughs> if he wasn't going to, I mean, it, a couple of things I thought were strange about it. The, 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 one of the things I thought was was strange was the fact that he he was emphasizing the fact that he was that there was a he was intimating that there was a preponderance of evidence against mm-hmm. the president, but it was not enough to bring charges. Okay, so he said that. It was like in bold face. You know, I felt like that was – he said it louder than he said everything else or maybe it was just that's how I heard it. But I thought – well, I thought that the presumption legally was was innocence. So it's not like someone can come up to you and say, well, you know what? I have so much evidence against you, but I can't really prove it. But keep in mind how much I have. Like, look, either you've got it or you don't have it. Yeah, and if we're talking about a criminal trial, the preponderance is a strong, uh, um, the strong bias towards um, preponderance of, uh, how do we say, a, a, pre- a presumption, presumption of, of innocence, innocence right. right? Which, and in civil, it's preponderance of evidence, and if we're talking about impeachment, it's essentially a political process. So the real, you know, the real standard for impeachment is can you get the, can you get two thirds of the votes? Uh, if you can't, then you don't have impeachment. I mean, there's constitutional guidance on it, but you're, it really is a political process, and it's not going to happen. No. We do, there's, there's just no way that there's going to be you know, a vote for removal of the president. I don't even think there's going to be a vote for impeachment. And let's be clear, impeachment is the charge, right? So when, when a president is impeached, they're not removed, they're charged. Um, and then it's voted on in the upper house of Congress, which essentially acts as a jury. There's no way that's going to happen. So what is this? Chum in the water for the left wing right. base? I think um, it is. I, I, I think yeah, it is. Right. But but I'm starting to think that, you know, Nancy Pelosi has been pulling back on the reins saying, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. Right. We don't want to do this. Yeah, but, she's smart. Yeah, so she dummy. is smart. She, know, she knows that. But I, I'm starting to think after yesterday that they're going to end up going for it. Well, they might. See, I mean, you have in, in both parties, you have these insurgencies, right? In the Republican Party, the insurgency won, right? The Trumpy insurgents won, right? And with the Democrats, the insurgents haven't quite won yet. The AOCs and the, and, um, and the, the Bernies and the rest of it, you know, but they're still up and coming. So they're, they're really in danger. The Democrats are in a much less politically stable situation than we are. The people in the Republican Party who wanted a revolution got a revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every revolution, some, you know, you're like the dog that caught the car. You're not always sure that you, you, you're glad you got it. There's some good things and some bad things, and the revolutionaries kind of have to get used to running things. Um, the Democrats, they still kind of have their revolution ahead of them. Um, they have all these genuine Marxists on the way up. I'm not talking about, you know, just like Republicans tend to call all Democrats Marxists. You know, I'm, I have Republican friends who call Bill Clinton Marxist. Right, right. That, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but there's genuine yeah. Marxists for sure, yeah. <laughs> in the Democratic Party, and they're on the rise. Um, so the Democrats have some real problems, which is my, why my base case is re-election of the, of, of the president next year. Um, now, as an investor as, and as an economist, I screen all this stuff out. It, I, I think when I watch the Mueller stuff or the commentary, for me, it's in the category either of reality show, distraction, entertainment, 
maybe a little bit of just like despair, you know, <laughs> you know watching like, watch Game of Thrones or House of Cards or these, TV, you know, TV shows are about how bad things are. Um, but I don't watch it as though it's serious news or serious economic stuff. It's really a distraction from what's really going on in the economy. Right. We need to step away for just a minute. Jerry Boer is with us. Jerry's editor of Town Hall Finance. Stick around. We've got more ahead. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD. In many parts of the world, China, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, people have never heard, have never heard the name of Jesus. Even if they have, many lack the resources to learn about it. Word FM has teamed with the Bible League to send God's Word to the world. $5 will send a Bible now. $100 will send 20 Give now at wordfm.com keyword Bibles or call 1-800-YES-WORD. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mendisa as well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lenz, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Be a part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. Graduation day is finally here. Celebrate their achievement and leave the catering to Bistro to Go in the Northside. From backyard family gatherings to glitzy affairs, their simply delicious creations are sure to impress. Fresh, unique, and artistically displayed. From crisp salads and fresh fruits to gorgeously grilled chicken or beef and delectable desserts. With vegan and gluten-free options. Reasonably priced, fully staffed, delivered, or ready to go. Celebrate success with Bistro to Go at bistroandcompany.com. If you're living under the dark cloud of hidden secrets and judgment, then it's time for you to apply the teaching of Psalm 51 in your own life. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How amazing would it be that rather than hide in the darkness of our past, we can have God Himself as our hiding place, our place of safety, His unfailing love and forgiveness, just like David experienced. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Pittsburgh Christians ChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Jerry Boyer is with us. We've been talking finance. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, uh, you posting today? Of course, today is Feast of the Ascension. I said that to Kath, and she was like, I, I don't know what that is. Th- that's pretty common among uh, Presbyterians, wouldn't you say? It is, although it's interesting. It's becoming less common. I mean, I'm hearing Presbyterians and 
Methodists, and even Baptists talking about Lent. What are you going to give up for Lent? So it's really <laughs> interesting. I just saw a, a study recently about how evangelical um, mainline denominations, Protestant denominations, and even evangelical megachurches are starting to integrate the church calendar um, into their lives. Uh, to which I say, great. Uh, yeah. But to which I say, and if you don't, that's great too. Uh, this is not this stuff is this is not mandatory stuff. This these are these are useful tools for you spiritually, or they're not useful tools for you spiritually. This this is meat sacrifice to idols. This is a matter of mm-hmm. what the theologians would call adiaphora, things that are neither commanded nor forbidden. Personally, it's been helpful to me because you know large swaths of Christendom, a billion people, you know, are paying attention to, or more are paying attention to, to the lectionary. And so today's the day where if you're in church today um, in, the, in the denominations that use the lectionary and follow the church calendar, they would do the readings about Jesus' ascension from uh, the end of Luke and from the beginning of Acts. They, Luke and Acts is basically kind of one book. Um, and these days are set aside uh, to commemorate certain important days in the life of Jesus, and this is the day that we commemorate the ascension of Jesus, yes. where he left earth and went to heaven. So that's what Feast of the Ascension is. Okay, so where did Jesus Ascend leave? From? Where did he leave and where did he go to? He left from Bethany. Um, and uh, we've talked about this before. I think that we really do a disservice to ourselves in our scripture study if we skim over the geography. Mm. If, if we like say, okay, let's get to the main point. Um, it, we've talked about this a lot over the past couple of years. So we kind of read the Gospels, and Jesus went to this Beth something, and he went to something Sida, and he went to Cap or something. Right, but the point is, the point is, is that he was trying to teach is, right, the people this. Right, but... If you're really tracking with the place names, then you're seeing that Jesus is also tracking with the place names. And by saying certain things and doing certain things in certain places, he's giving comment. We understand that, right? We understand that if there were a traveling evangelist or even a presidential candidate, and they came to Pittsburgh and started talking about work and steel and and furnaces and plants, um, and piping, and you know, if they're you know here in the Keysport or whatever, we'd know that they're they know where they are, and they're saying something conscious about it, right? Whereas if they maybe they're you know there's some place if they're in Iowa and they start talking about corn and farming, or they're in Wisconsin and they're telling stories about cows and cheese and butter, it's like they're, they're they know where they are. Okay, so I think it's I happen to think it's really important that Jesus touched off from Bethany. Why? Because as far as we know, Bethany um, was the poor town. Uh, Eusebius said that it literally means poorhouse. Um, Bait in Hebrew is house. Ani is kind of people, but with an emphasis kind of on poor people. So the early church fathers, Jerome and Eusebius, translated it as poor town. And there's other reasons to believe that it was poor town. So I don't think, I mean, Jesus could have taken off from anywhere, right? He didn't need an airport. Um, he, you know, he, he could have, he could have left from Galilee. He could have left from Jerusalem. Would have made sense, right? Um, but instead, he takes his followers to Bethany. So his last, the last time his feet are on earth, he's among the cast off poor mm. who are near the capital. Bethany is an outskirt of Jerusalem. So it's near the political power. It's near the center of power and wealth, but it has neither power nor wealth. Uh, Lazarus, um, you know, Jesus was friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus tells a story 
Some people say it's a parable. There's a lot of debate about whether there's a, it's a parable of Lazarus or not. Let's just call it a story for now. I want to avoid all the old arguments about a poor, name, a poor man, man named Lazarus who's put at the footsteps of a portico, which means temple. So Lazarus, is, this poor man, is put at the, at the temple door where the high priest is feasting sumptuously. Well, that's the same for Mary and Bethany was Lazarus at the gate of the temple. It's the outskirt of the temple city, and it's poor. And it's made poor by the ruling class extracting wealth from the poor. So do not think that I'm, I'm telling this story so that we're going to put, so, because I'm trying to talk us into putting a lot of power in the state in the name of the poor. Jerusalem took power and wealth in the name of the poor, and it kept it, just like Washington does now. Um, it takes power in the name of the poor, and then it keeps it. And I think that Jesus is saying something mm. when, he, when he ascends from the working poor of Bethany, that he is not on the side of Jerusalem. He's, uh, and Jerusalem's gone within 40 years. He's not on the side of the ruling class and the extractive class. He is, to the degree that he's taking economic sides, he's on the side of the army, the virtuous God-fearing, extracted, and, and exploited poor. Fabulous. Okay, so then as Jesus ascends, and obviously you're saying he is making a statement, the angels stay back, and then they talk to the disciples. And what do they say? Men of Galilee. Why do they say men of Galilee? Why don't they say men of Israel? Right? They're Israelites, um, because as we've talked about this in great detail, and this is what I'm writing the book right now, um, is that Jesus is really a Galilean. Uh, more than he's not a Judean. He's from Galilee. He's from the working class, entrepreneurial, practical, problem solving culture of Galilee. He is not from the grasping, virtue signaling, claw your way to the top, pretend to be religious, but really be greedy culture of Judea, which is why we don't see Jesus confronting any leaders over wealth related political topics in Galilee. He confronts them over certain things, but he doesn't confront them over that. All of the confrontations occur over wealth occur when he goes to Judea. Right off the bat, he leaves Galilee, goes to Judea, rich young ruler. Then Zacchaeus, the, da- the tax collector, another confrontation. Then the money changers there at the temple in Jerusalem. So Jesus's Galilean mindset, his Galilean self, God could have put, had him raised anywhere. God could have sent his son to be incarnate anywhere. He teaches him to be incarnate among humble, hardworking people of Galilee. And it's from, and Jesus learns things there. As a human being, he learned and he confronts the political ruling class of Jerusalem. And so the angels don't say men of Israel. When they see Jesus ascend from Bethany, they're in Judea, but they're in the poor part of Judea. They say men of Galilee. Why men of Galilee? Because all of Jesus' um, disciples were from Galilee. But otherwise, the angels wouldn't have said men of Galilee. There's only one disciple who wasn't from Galilee. Do you know who it was? No. It's mm, Judas. Judas, right. Judas Ishkariot. Judas, oh, sure, a man of Kariot, a man... So after Judas is out of the picture, they're all Galileans. There's there's stuff going on here that's not just our traditional theology discussions. I believe all the theology stuff, all of it, right? I'm completely orthodox on all these questions and everything and read the creeds, but there's something going on here that's social and economic um, that we're kind of blind to because we don't know the place names and we're not really paying attention to the details. And once you pay attention to the details, they are screaming out that the thousand-year-old debate between the northerners and the southerners 
which starts when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, oppresses the north and they secede. That's a thousand years before Jesus. That never really got over with. And the south is constantly oppressing the north. And the north is more the humble, working poor. And, um, and that's God, when God decides who to have uh, adopt his son, he chooses those people to adopt his son, not the Herodians, not the high priestly family, not the Judean elite. That's Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us again. Always, Always a pleasure, great Jerry. Thank you so a much. Pleasure. God bless. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers. Your jewelers for life. Hi, this is Tud Shulkin. Join me and head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Steelers players Vance McDonald and Stefan Tuitt, and pastors Brian Loritz and Ed Glover for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 8th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Man Up is a day for all men to work on becoming the best godly leaders they can be. There will be free food, fellowship, worship, powerful messages, and dynamic breakout sessions. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The French Senate is calling for restoration of the famed Notre Dame Cathedral to its original state Mm -hmm. after the disastrous April 15th fire. Senators voted Monday to approve the the government's funding request, but stipulated in an additional clause that it must be restored to exactly how it was before the fire. The move is considered a blow to President Marcon, who has launched an international competition to come up with ideas to change the variable a symbol of Catholic Europe. The bill for the restoration for the repair work will be completed before the 2024 Olympics. There was uh, some talk that they were going to build a swimming pool, an endless tower of light, a rooftop garden, 
But apparently they're saying no. The uh, and, and this is not a vetoed um, proposition. That uh, it still has to be voted on. But it looks like this may be the path forward, which is good news. What's the laser thing you were talking about? Yeah, they wanted to build an uh, an endless spire of light, right? Um, endless spire of light, which is coming from. But it's a big LED. Right, that goes straight up. Like kind of like the World Trade Center, zoom, okay. right? Or the rooftop garden, or the swimming pool. No, that's just dumb. The swimming pool. <laughs> what is wrong with people? I don't know. So, uh, so we're having the contest for architects, but we're not taking any other ideas. Is that what it is? Uh, well, you know, these are early, early on in the stages. Listen, architects are creative people. They're not going to take kindly to that. They're going to say, if you asked my opinion, then I need to give it to you. Well, they want it to go back to its last known visual state, as it were. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Commander-in-Chief has addressed the 61st graduating class at the United States Air Force Academy. President Trump calling the nearly 1,000 graduating cadets American patriots. You exemplify the grit the guts and the grace that make America's Air Force by far the best in the world. He offered this assurance. I am committed to keeping our military the best trained, best equipped, and most technologically advanced fighting force anywhere under the sun. The president adding the country is respected again. Correspondent Wally Hines reporting. Family members of recovery workers who died after digging through smoldering ruins joined city officials Thursday at a dedication ceremony for a new section of the September 11, 2001 memorial at the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan. On Wall Street, the Dow by 43 points. This is SRN News. The ride home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. The Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates are successful sports teams because they have a plan and they stick to it. Before their games even start, they know what they want to do and how they're going to do it. The same is true in retirement. Do you have a game plan or are you just going to wing it when that day comes? I'm Ethan Lane, Associate Advisor at Accurate Solutions Group, where we strictly focus on retirement planning. We help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. Give our team a call now to start building your own retirement blueprint. 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Don't be unprepared. At Accurate Solutions Group, we can help build you a plan to get you to and through retirement successfully. 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. I started out in public education, and I've been in education for almost 40 years now. Jubilee Christian School Principal, April Iceman. Education is what I knew, and that was my passion. I loved it. But to see the need in society for even more than what we're doing in the churches. Because if your children are involved in the church, they're still never more involved than a few hours a week. I want to give students more grounding, give them more of a spiritual foundation. I want to make a difference. Jubilee Christian School, Mount Lebanon, K-6 through grade. Imagine, believe, achieve at jubileecs.org. Got different companies running your web design, social media marketing, and geofencing? but not sure which is getting you customers and which is a waste of your dollars? 
Contact us at Salem Surround. We can put all your digital marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports, and instantly move your advertising to the most effective areas of your digital marketing suite. Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Fully transparent and here to help. Qualities like these make the original Mattress Factory unique. Come see where and how we make our mattresses and compare our products to the mainstream brands. We want to help you make an informed decision, free from hassle and confusion. So when you're ready to purchase your next mattress, come to the original Mattress Factory first. Whether you buy from us or not, you'll walk away better prepared to make a smart mattress choice. Stop by one of our stores or visit OriginalMattress.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. A flash flood watch is in effect through 11 o'clock this evening. A shower, a locally heavy thunderstorm will be around through the evening hours tonight. We'll turn out partly cloudy later on, along with some areas of fog, low 58. For tomorrow, clouds and sun, a passing shower, high 76. Saturday, a couple of showers, along with a heavy gusty thunderstorm for the afternoon, 79 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. We're in a little pause here in between rain showers. Oh, thanks. Had my mic off, but now it's on. It's all good. I'm excited for you because you're going to the game tonight. Yeah. You seem to be a little Debbie Downer about it, but I think that maybe this will be, you know, you, you might get nine innings in in between some rain showers. When you look at the radar, it doesn't look good. It doesn't. Right? It just looks like more rain. Oh, that's a good call, Mike. In the rain. What a Don't you love him? Yes, I do. I was watching a clip of him the other day, and I thought, I don't watch enough Gene Kelly. Yeah. I would be a happier person. I would be more contented with everything if I just watched more Gene Kelly. Is there like a uh, Gene Kelly sort of, other than singing in the rain, other than singing in the rain, what else are you going for? My favorite. Gigi? My fa- Never seen it. Oh. My favorite Gene Kelly of all time? Yeah. The Pirate. With Judy Garland, I don't like that. I love it. It's it's like a it's like a fairy tale. Yeah, the dancing is so fabulous. How about on the town? Don't I you love like, on the town. That, to me, that's my my next best. Oh, isn't that good? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and uh, isn't that I a shame? Because the third guy, right? He's always just the third guy. Because he is, you know. I feel badly for him. Right. Not to go back to singing in the rain, but do you want to hear a fun fact about that scene of him in that that the that. Uh, famous scene of him singing in the rain. Tell me. He had a 104-degree fever, and he was fighting the flu when he shot that. Really? No way. Yeah. All that pressure made a diamond. And yeah. I brought up that bit of trivia about that a few weeks ago, which is that he wore a wool suit. 
Hmm. And so if you watch the the uh, dance from beginning to end, you can watch it shrink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now they've recreated that the, the uh, that number on stage it any number of times. It is terrific. You've seen it. It blew my mind. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's wonderful. Can you imagine the stagecraft <gasps> behind that? You know, the gutters, the rubber sheeting. I was so impressed. That's a tough road to climb. Anybody who, <sighs> hey, you're going to play the Gene I Kelly know. role. Like, you know, shoot me, right? Yeah, you got to be Hugh Jackman to approach that. Right, right. <laughs> it was wonderful. Mm-hmm, fabulous. Yeah, I saw it a couple of days anyway, ago. Anyway, we, we do digress, but are you not tired of the rain? Of I'm just tired, tired of the rain. Of the That's rain. All I'm saying. But hey, we're tired of the rain. What about the people that are suffering huge flooding oh because God, of the rain? I mean, God bless. Look, if that's you, John and I have both been there. Mm-hmm. All I can tell you is that, you know. Not fun. We, we, we wish you the absolute best. We'll pray for you. Yes. We recognize that this is taxing beyond all measure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but let's. We have some fun programming for you in the five o'clock hour. Let, let me start with this. I have two stories about parents and kids, both of which I thought were kind of interesting. This is a story from. Are you ready? Yes. Cosmo. Oh no, Cosmo's still a thing. Okay, I didn't even know Cosmo was still around. Well, it's still. I'm sure it has an audience, right? That was a gigantic magazine. I grew up reading Cosmo. I bet you did because did. of your five sisters, Five right? sisters, you know, in the 60s and 70s. That was a mainstay, for better or worse. Actually, it was my sexual education. I bet. <laughs> That's not a fashion rule. That is not a fashion rule. No, it's not. Um, okay, so, but an interesting story that was picked up on another news source I have from Cosmo is talking about the fact that millennials are staying married thanks to their divorced parents. Oh, Really? Tell me that story. Yeah. Okay. So while exact numbers are kind of hard to come by, experts are estimating that the rate of divorce has fallen roughly 24% from its peak in 1981. And millennials were a huge reason why. Okay. So it says that the uh, numbers that exist all reach the same conclusion, which is that they're tired, millennials are, of looking at the lives they had and the lives they remembered as kids that were affected by their parents divorcing. Oh, okay. That's a and great they, advertisement they, to stay they, married. And they don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to do it. Excellent. Okay, so there is hope then for the sanctity of marriage, mm-hmm. right? People stay married. Yep, people are staying married because they just don't want to live through what they went through as kids. Oh, now, I here's like another story um, that is going to make you as a parent hopefully, you know, wake up and, you know, Change your ways. Study shows parents are just as addicted to their smartphones as their kids. Oh, that's no surprise. Mm-hmm. That is not a surprise at all. Right? I believe that I was a poor role model for my children. Oh, do you think? I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When the when we were first given our new iPhones, right? I mean, I was obsessed by it, and so my kids, you know, hey, can we play a game? Can I? So at and I do regret giving my kids iPhones. I think they were 14. Mm -hmm, Probably mine too. I mean, not good. It's really hard to control. It's just too hard to control. But more than one third, according to Market Watch, more than one third of teenagers and over a quarter of parents wake up and check their mobile device for something other than the time at least once per night. John Hall, please weigh in. Listen, true. I can't That's tell you true. how many news stories I have received from you yeah. via email at like an absurd time in the middle right. of the night. Right. What is that about? About me? Yes. Well, you know, I wake up at 
three o'clock in the morning and I'm just, I'm there. And I'm not just like partially awake. Like a lot of people, I am wide awake. I mean, truly wide awake. Now, I, I do understand what you're saying. I resist the urge to reach for my phone. Mm-hmm. But as you, as you've witnessed and as you've, you know, been the mm-hmm. recipient of, more often than not, I'll be looking, I'll be working. He, I mean, you wake up. I hope you're all catching this. John Hall is waking up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and planning for the next day show. <laughs> yeah, that's. I know. mean, it's a sickness. It's a job, and I I right. enjoy it. Right? Do you not enjoy it? I, of course, I enjoy the job, but I I don't do the job in the middle of the night. Oh, I do. Yeah. I'm constantly doing yeah, the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing: you're not alone. Because, as I said, more than one-third of teenagers and one-quarter of parents wake up and check their mobile device for something other than the time at least once a night. Do you do that? Never. You know? you Come on. Never. You don't? Never. How do you resist? Never. I never look at the clock or my phone. At, I don't look at anything during the night. Well, I live it. And I, it, it just become part of my life. I don't mind it. With studies linking poor sleep to a number of mental and physical health problems, as well as diminished academic and cognitive performance, John, uh, Dr. Steyer, who is the uh, Common Sense Media CEO, says he's urging parents to consider these findings as a wake-up call that device use might truly impact the health of your children and yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, here are some key takeaways. Now, we're both going to completely resonate with this because I've had my children say things – I mean – I remember my daughter, who's 17 years old, when she was maybe 15. I remember her coming over on the sofa and saying, Mom, pay attention to me. <laughs> oh, isn't that horrible? Oh, that's horrible. 39% of teenagers wish their parents would get off their phone, which is up from 28% a couple years ago. Pay attention to me. 45% of parents say they feel addicted to their mobile device. Okay. 38% of teens feel their parent is addicted to their mobile device. Mm-hmm. 38% of teens mm-hmm. feel like their parent is addicted to the mobile device. Right. And 52% of parents say they spend too much time on their phone. Don't you hate it when your kids call you on this? We were talking the other day about junk food, mm-hmm. and I was saying something to my kids, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know, chips, yada, yada, yada. My kid said to me, <laughs> he, wasn't being a, he wasn't being a jerk or anything. He just said, well, Dad, you know, you've been a poor role model. When it comes to chips. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a poor role model when it comes to chips, so I can't preach anti-chips. Mm-hmm. Great. Listen, I love a chip. Oh. Well, you know I live and die by a chip. You know what I did over Memorial Day? Hmm. I bought a bag of chips that I knew each one of my family members liked. Yeah. And we opened them all on Memorial Day. Nice. And, I said, and, and as we were getting ready for the Memorial Day barbecue, my daughter said, well, we don't need to, like, we don't need to open up all these bags. I said, Listen. We're opening up all the bags. What what kind of chips were they? Okay, so we got the uh, Snyder's of Hanover sourdough pretzels Okay, for my husband. That's good. We got the Hint of Lime Tostitos love those. in honor of new Mike, love it, who love loves it. those more than anything. He wasn't at the party. But for my older daughter, uh, for my younger daughter, we had the Lay's Dill Pickle Chips, oh, which are absolutely horrific. fabulous. They're horrible. They are one of the best chips in the history of the world. That's way better than salt and vinegar chips. No, no. That's not true No, no. A dill pickle chip is way, no, no. That's, way better. That's just funkiness. Way, way better. And then I had, of course, the uh, Tostitos Cantina chip for me. Tostitos? Really? <laughs> Which are like a tortilla chip, but they're super thin. Not a barbecue chip? No. Like a barbecue potato chip? No. Give me that. 
No, I'm fine. But I did get some hell of a good dip. Mm, yeah. Because it was Memorial Day. Of course, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what? I don't like to dip. I don't like to dip a flavored chip in that dip. No. I think it needs to be a plain chip or a pretzel. I agree. You don't yeah. need to be taking your hint of lime no, Tostitos no, no, no. and putting that it's in too your much. dip. That's too much. Yeah. That's adulterating it's the taste. Collision of taste is what that is. Anyway, I don't know how we started talking about chips. Sorry. But I we talked about like, smartphones oh, yeah, and, and you were chips you, and, and you were that. a bad role model. That's I was, how it happened. Yeah, indictment by my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Uh, we're going to go to England. Uh, Alan Lagman's going to join us. Jesus gave me what my fists couldn't. Stick around for this story. Straight ahead. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy. Word FM and WPIT Radio. WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New music. New music from Josh Wilson. Borrow one day at a time. No trouble for tomorrow. Till I found you from Phil Wickham. And reason new from Unspoken. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 4.375%. APR 4.65%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2.3% fee to receive this discount Rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is. Closed. The new Pella Lifestyle series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get 50% off installation and 12 months no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA. PellaPittsburgh.com. Things would happen in church that you weren't allowed to laugh. Word FM presents. Funny things were happening, and we had to pretend like it wasn't happening. Ladies Night Out with writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. My sister got up and she mined to a Yolanda Adams song, and it was beautiful. It's a night out for the girls. As she was miming and she was twirling, her wig came off. June 21st at the Bible Chapel. I have not seen the type of power or anointing that could make us forget your hairs on the floor. Get early bird admission now through May 31st at wordfn.com.
as a kid in a working class neighborhood, and uh, there were guys. And I think this, if you know, if you do this, if you grew up in a working class neighborhood in the city of Pittsburgh, uh, you were the, either you the, you were one of those guys who was the the wedge of brutality. Or you were one of those guys who were totally freaked out by those guys. And uh, I remember seeing these guys and knowing who they were. And if they were coming towards you down the street, I would put my head down and walk across the street because I had been subject to that, that pummel, that crush, that, that beat. Our next guest, he was the other guy. He was the guy walking down the street. Alan Langham joins us. And the idea of bullies in the neighborhood, guys who are men of extreme violence, who do stretches often in prison, to think about those guys and to think about Jesus calling those guys and pulling them into his beauty and grace and forgiveness. I mean, that's one of the miracles of faith to me. Alan Lagham joins us. Alan uh, is the author of Taming of a Villain, A Message of Hope. It's a brand new release, and he's here today to talk to us about his life. Alan, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, John. How are you doing? Are you well? Very well, mm-hmm. Alan. Thanks so much. Alan, yeah, start off by yeah, Alan, start off by talking about your childhood. Um, your mom, your dad, your siblings. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, so I grew up in a in quite a um, a rough council estate in South Yorkshire in the UK. Um, my dad left when I was eight months old. Um, I had two older sisters um, that were a lot older than me and they left home as I was young growing up. And so it was just me and my mum for a long time. But then by the age of 14, I found her dead on the settee. She'd had a, a cerebral hemorrhage, a blood clot on the brain. And she died suddenly in the night, and I came down and found her on the settee. And that kind of was the start of, um, you know, a roller coaster for me because I had obviously nowhere to go other than my sisters who didn't know how to handle a young teenage boy. Yes. So there you were, Alan, uh, sort of the, the angry, the prototypical angry young man. Uh, but the good thing was that you excelled in rugby. Uh, you were an athlete, and you were able to sign a professional contract. That was could have been a, a, a changing point in your life. But for a lot of young guys who grow up fatherless and grow up under rough circumstances, that quick infusion of money, uh, it's not always a positive thing, yeah? Yeah, that's exactly what happened with me is that Obviously, within the home and growing up, I, I suffered at the hands of bullies um, on the street who were a lot older than me, and all I kind of knew and became accustomed to was violence. Um, there was a lot of discipline in the house um, with what we call the Allen stick, which was quite, um, you know, and I suffered beatings. Um, I was abused by um, a family friend as well. So by the time I'd, my mum had passed away, and I'd signed a rugby contract at 17 years old, I was actually completely damaged and broken. Yes. And, and just seeking family. And the family that I craved and sought is I found in the in the pubs culture, in the local bars, where my sister used to run the bars, and in there the, the drinking men and the hard men and the fighting men, the gambling men, I thought they were my, you know, my heroes and my role models. Sure. And I got sucked into their world instead of knuckling down and 
concentrating on my professional rugby league. Um, I had obviously too much money, not enough sense, no real positive role models other than my brother-in-law who tried his best to manage me and get me through those times. And my family and my sisters went tried absolutely everything, but I was just so damaged, so hurt, so lost, and just so broken. And I sought solace in drinking, violence, drugs, and pretty soon got got myself into trouble with the police. And so you ended up in prison at what age? Yeah, 18. So by 18, I got my first of seven prison sentences. Um, And then I was introduced to heroin um, by a signed professional rugby league at 17. By 19, I was a homeless drug addict living on the streets of London in the capital. So I went from um, the north in Yorkshire, down to London, which is our capital in the UK. And I was sleeping on the streets of the Strand, begging for money, you know, and um, com- a complete turnaround from that promising young rugby player. So seven prison sentences, Alan, over a period of what time? You're 18 years of age until the from, last... From 18, from 18 to 35, wow. I, spent, I spent the most of my adult life in and out of prisons. So talk to us then uh, about uh, about Jesus. I'm sure in prison there is conversation about Jesus. There has to be, you know, jailhouse uh, pastors and jailhouse conversions and all that. Uh, when you think about Jesus Christ no, before you knew no, Jesus, no, what was that what was that yeah. conversation like with yourself? Yeah, so it, it was alien to us. In the establishments where I went, it was the complete opposite. It was complete, you were living in terror on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Everywhere around you was violence and depravity. But then what it was is that there was um, visiting ministers who came in to the prison, prison ministers in the UK, and um, they they approached us on the wing, on the, you know, on the the landings where the cells are. And I, unfortunately, that day I was out cleaning, cleaning the landings, and I approached the prison ministers, and they put a green card in my hand with the praying hands and invited me down to the chapel. So I went down to the chapel that afternoon, and for the first time in my whole life, I actually felt completely unjudged, and I could just bear, bear my soul and, and talk, talk to them about me and everything that I was going through. And, you know, they prayed with me, and just it was so genuine, and they actually radiated love. At first I thought it was police officers because they had the air of authority. But also it was just a genuine love. And I started going to the chapel and then those those kind of seeds were sown. But I just felt completely unworthy. How could I be loved? How could I be forgiven? I've done so many bad things. I've lived such a terrible, violent life. I've hurt so many people. I've pushed everybody I care about away from me. I've not been a father to my, my, my children. Every relationship that I've had is, is damaged. All of my family have just, I've just alienated them all. I had a horrific reputation in the local community. As you mentioned there, when I used to walk down the street, people would cross over the street. If I walked into a restaurant or a pub, they'd walk out. Mm. You know, it was, I was feared. It was, it was horrendous. But I was just a little lost, a little boy trapped in this great big violent man's body. And, 
somehow Jesus broke through that by these prison ministers for showing love. Talk about, Alan, the bottom. When you hit rock bottom, I mean, this happens in a lot of people's lives where they've got nowhere else to go but on their knees, and that's exactly where you found yourself, and you cried out to Jesus and, and asked for a sign. Yeah, yeah. So so what happened, John, is that I've um, just been put on to remand for the start of my seventh sentence. I was 35 years of, of age. Um, I'd, as I said before, I'd spent most of my adult life in prisons and establishments, in high security units. I'd been a violent prisoner, a security risk, and the wreck of a man. I was lost, cold and no hope, going nowhere in life, broken, dishevelled, and I was shuffling around the prison yard with my hands in my pockets, my head bowed down, a broken man. And, and mentally, I was talking myself how I was going to take my own life. I'd hit a point where I was going to commit suicide. And then earlier that day, we'd been to the chapel and we prayed about um, what I call now the Father's Prayer. We prayed about fathers being absent fathers to our children and our fathers being absent in our lives. And it was the power of God just entered that room. And I came away so convicted of my who I was and the sins that I committed that I was just completely just broken. And I went to my knees that night in the, in the cell absolutely just hysterically broken, crying, snot running down my face, completely just at my, at my, at my wit's end. I got through heroin. I've been clean off heroin 20 years. I've gone through, you know, abuse and violence and other different things. But I just couldn't, I just couldn't live with who I've become. And I just called out to God mentally, if there is a God and you're hearing my prayers, then put a white bird where the pigeons congregated of the apex opposite my cell window, because I'd spend hours staring out of the, the window, and you'd just see the grey the gray pigeons, and it used to, used to be depressing. I got up in the morning, went to the window, and like in slow motion, in what I call the moment of clarity or the epiphany moment, the pigeons lifted up, the white bird sat down, and then I just came running out of that prison cell, saying, there is a God, there is a God. There is a God, is real. And I dropped on my knees then crying again, but tears of joy and relief that God had come to little old me in that prison cell and given me the sign that I'd asked for, but also something inside me ignited. I felt like an electric shock in my, in my stomach, like the fire was set and lit. And I came out of there, and then since that point, seven years ago, God has just absolutely radically transformed that broken, shattered life to a man of, of love and compassion and with a reputation for good in the community and helping others and healing and, you know, rest, restoring my children to my life. My family are, are proud to know me and have me in their lives. Great friendships, great role models. You know, I've built up businesses and won awards. And there's been so much. I'm far from perfect, John. I make mistakes all the time and I get it wrong. But God's grace, his love and his mercy is just there radiating and just having such a powerful impact in a once broken life. Wow. It's just been an absolute miracle that God reached into that prison cell and snatched me out of the hands of the devil. Alan Lagnon is with us from the UK. He's the author of Taming of a Villain, A Message of Hope. Alan, 
Talk about your children. Talk about your sisters. I'm sure as you became a new creation in Christ, they had to be leery. But look, you've you've been this on this path for some time now. And as you just said in your own words, you've built new relationships. You've changed, and people have seen that change. But I'm sure at first yeah. people were like, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on with this guy. Yeah, definitely. It was, at first it was quite surreal because obviously I didn't know how to be a Christian or how to live this life. All I knew is that instead of wanting to hit people, I wanted to hug people. <laughs> and the heart was pouring, pouring out with love. I had a, like a waterfall coming out of my heart. And I just wanted to hug everybody. You know, picking people up. And I, you know, I'm a 17, 18 stone guy, full of muscle, you know, big daily, uh, you know, prison, you know, just come out of prison and wanting to love everybody. And everybody thought I'd gone crackers. They thought I'd gone mad. But, I was, it, it took time and patience and faith and perseverance, but those closest to me, so my, my children got restored back into my life in age order over a period of about two and a half years. So when I was first released, I didn't have any of my children in my life. I've not known my firstborn daughter ever. You know, she came to live with me within three months of becoming a Christian. My mum dropped her off with a bag of clothes at my house and that was, I'd been saved two months. Mm. I had no job, no employment, no money. Just, we just had a house and we started that journey together. You know, thankfully, you know, she's 21 years of age now and got her own place and she's working and really settled. My middle daughter then got restored into her life. And, you know, she became with me at our little trio of a family. And then I had a lengthy um, court, a court battle and... The authorities said that I wouldn't get my son until he was 16 years old. But then within six months of that that, that thing from the authorities, um, they rung me up and said, come and pick him up. We've awarded him into shared custody. Wonderful. So within two and a, two and a half years of being released and being a, a you know, born-again Christian, all three children was restored back into my life. Oh, that's fabulous. My, my fa- yeah, my family and my sisters um, struggled with it at first. I think I, I think I was too overbearing for them. I was I were constantly like preaching at them and just so full of zeal, no wisdom, and just they couldn't they just couldn't work it out because they were so used to a violent, you know, ticking time bomb that didn't know what they were going to do next. Sure. So I think it threw a lot of people closest to me, and then also I think that. God used those early times for me to then start to develop a bit of independence because I completely depended on my sisters because obviously my mum had died when I was 14. So from the age of 14 to 16, 17, I lived between my two sisters. But then I got my own place at 17 when I signed a rugby contract and I got my own uh, house. So then obviously I'd been completely dependent on my sisters throughout my adult life. And I think that emotionally, since my mum's death, I didn't I didn't develop. So I stayed I stayed trapped at like a fourteen year old, even though I was in my twenties and then my thirties. And that's been the process of refining what God's taken me through over these last seven years by working through all those issues and those things that I've gone through as a young boy and as a young man, and then the scarring that prison does to you. Yes. Because being confined in a small cell day after day after day. In some, in some of the high security, security units where you're deemed a risk 
to public, a high risk to public, and, you know, it's a very, very volatile, scary place. I'm sure. And so finally you've learned slowly, day after day, over these past seven years of what it is to be a man. And so, Alan, uh, that scene that you paint in, in that jail cell where you're just wild with grief and the snot running down your nose and you're crying out to Jesus looking for something. I mean, in, in many ways, that's a miracle. But I believe that that miracle happens every day to people who cry out in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come yeah. into my life and change my life. And, and you're walking proof yeah. of that. And, and so here yeah. you are yeah. now, a new creation in Christ. And that's the yeah. most beautiful story that you could ever imagine for yourself. So. Yeah. So God bless you. I mean, it's really just a wonderful yeah, thing that there you definitely, are. Definitely, and I believe that that is the type of prayer that God answers instantaneously. When you cry out in such a desperate state, He cannot He cannot turn His back on His own children. He can't do it. It moves It moves Him with compassion in such a way where He just moves, you know. But it's like it says, you know, we, you know, that, that God God's not. Em- going to put yourself on us we have to we have to take that step it's called a step of faith and we're saved by grace through faith so if we take that step of faith and ask jesus into our hearts as our lord and savior then we are saved it's as simple as that so there might be people listening john who don't know jesus you know and, and it's as simple as asking him into their hearts yes. to be their lord and savior Alan, it's been a pleasure. Truly, it has been to to hear your story, to allow you to share that with our listeners. So thank you so much. As a brother in Christ, we're excited for you. Thanks for the story. Thank you so, thank you so much, John and Catholic. Appreciate you, and God bless. God bless you. Alan Lagman, he is the author of Taming of a Villain, a message of hope, which you've heard just a slice of right now. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Do you know where your mattress came from? If your mattress is from the original mattress factory, you can rest easy knowing that your mattress was hand-built right here in Pittsburgh. And every original mattress factory mattress features American-made materials. From our supportive inner springs to cotton padding to our shock-absorbing box springs. You can even stop by our factory to take a tour and see our team make your mattress. Can the other guys say that? That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Visit us at OriginalMattress.com. What's happened to my son? We raised him in a church and he went to youth group. He's not acting like himself and this morning I found drugs in his room. I can't tell my pastor or my friends. They'll think I'm a bad parent. Is this my fault? I'm so ashamed and don't know where to turn. 
there is hope. For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has been helping families to find answers to their loved one's drug addiction. Call today, 724-265-4100 or visit paatc.org, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Flash flood watch is in effect through 11 o'clock this evening. A shower, a locally heavy thunderstorm will be around through the evening hours tonight. We'll turn out partly cloudy later on, along with some areas of fog, low 58. For tomorrow, clouds and sun, a passing shower, high 76. Saturday, a couple of showers, along with a heavy gusty thunderstorm for the afternoon, 79 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Now I want to talk with all by myself I want to walk with But I'm happy on a shelf Ain't misbehaving Saving my love for you I know for certain The one I love I'm through with flirting Just you I'm dreaming of Ain't misbehaving that is a singularly unique voice that has passed silence today. Shockingly, at the age of just 69. Leon Redbone has passed away, and if you asked me how old he was, I would have said he's got to be 85. That's what I thought. I saw him in concert like in 1974, and I thought he was an old man then. He was an unusual person. And a, as you said, a really unique talent, guitar player, singer. That's my favorite of his cuts. Yeah. I mean, he also was uh, famous for um, Please Don't Talk About Me When I'm Gone. <laughs> right. Which is, which is a great one. Um, he was also the voice of the snowman in the movie Elf, where he also did the, uh, the duet with uh, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel. Deschanel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just he went back to a different era. And he yeah, it was made like it a vaudeville sound. Kind of Tin Pan Alley, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he made it hip again. Uh, people just who would never look at that song catalog loved it because of that unique sound, that that voice and the delivery. I absolutely love Leon Redbone's Yeah, music. me too. Sorry to see him go. Leon Redbone passing away. WORD. Okay, everybody in the car. Where are we going, Daddy? On an adventure. Yay! Adventures in Odyssey. It's not just a kid's show, it's a show the whole family can enjoy. Listen on this station. Adventures in Odyssey, tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. Have you been denied credit? Are you paying high interest rates because of a low credit score? Join the thousands of people who've relied on CreditRepair.com to help rebuild their credit score. 
went to get my first car. I had to get a used car, high interest, and so I knew that things were things were done from there. For over 15 years, we've helped thousands with their search for solutions to credit issues. We communicate with you, your creditors, and the credit bureaus with a unique approach designed to remove items like late payments, collections, charge-offs, liens, bankruptcy, and foreclosures that are unfair or inaccurate. And I've gone up 40 points already. There are many services offering to tell you your credit score and even monitor it for you. But what good is just knowing your credit score when what you really need is to fix it? Credit repair members see a significant improvement in their credit scores month after month. Call now to get your no-obligation credit consultation, including your free credit score and free summary credit report. Don't delay. Call 800-859-0720. That's 800-859-0720. 800-859-0720. Are you a stock or options trader looking for real trading strategies that you can use immediately? Hi, my name is Scott Bauer, CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, and I'm on a mission to become the number one options coach in America. I'm a former vice president at Goldman Sachs. I have over 25 years of options trading experience, and right now, I'm giving away my most famous options guide with over 20 unique options strategies that I use every day for free. You can't buy this guide anywhere. To claim your free options trading guide, simply call 855-892-2307 now and mention my name, Scott Bauer, and we will rush you the guide. Call 855-892-2307 and someone from my options team will help you get this guide in your inbox as quickly as possible. Call 855-892-2307 now and start learning to trade the right way. Call 855-892-2307. Prosper with options. Stocks and options trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. You're a believer in Jesus, and you look at the culture and you think, oh my goodness, what, what the heck's going on? But I would imagine, though, that you know what we see in the world is what our parents, our grandparents, mm-hmm. and past generations, as you're a follower of Jesus, you're not supposed to fit in with the culture. It, it seems upside down, and you've got to be okay with that in some way. Kirk Bjorklund is with us. Pastor Bjorklund is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. And Kirk, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So when we think, Kirk, of uh, how we engage with culture, I, you know, I go back and forth on this. I think, well, you know, is it the fact that Christians engage badly with culture because culture has kind of just pushed Christians off to the side? You know, you, you guys are puritanical. All you want to do is tell us what to do. You know, we're not interested in your thing. And so we developed our own culture. Or were we the ones that abandoned ship first? Yeah, that's a great question. And probably some of both when you look at it. I'm yeah. sure there are plenty of Christian missteps along the way that have uh, alienated people and culture, but there's also a sense in which any voice of truth or some kind of absolute morality is seen as being outdated and out, uh, really not part of our culture. So, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about this a little bit the other day. There's a new book by a lady named Kurt 
Scott, and she writes called uh, Radical Candor is her book. And it's not a Christian book. She's just writing about relationships in general. And her premise is that if you care personally for somebody and challenge them directly, you'll live in the space of radical candor and help them. Mm. But if you don't do those two things and you do one of them, such as challenge directly without caring personally, then you'll end up in a place of obnoxious aggression toward people. Mm. If you care personally without challenging directly, then you'll give them ruinous empathy. And uh, and then she talks about manipulative insecurity when you do neither. And I, I started thinking about that, and I thought about Ephesians 4.15 and that truth and love, speak the truth in love, which is a challenge to the Church, but it's really about how the Church grows maturity of the people that it connects to. So in a way, it's the Church engaging with culture. And I thought if you just took the idea of love and truth as being the optimal voice, if you speak with both of those to our culture... Um, then you see the the same idea of obnoxious aggression if you have truth without love. And you have kind of an affirming codependence if you love without truth. Mm. And if you don't have love or truth, you end up with complete withdrawal and avoidance mm. of culture. And it's so simple, but, but I thought it's, especially in the political environment, where it doesn't take much on social media to see Christians posting strong things on either side of the spectrum, feeling like we're standing for truth. And when there's no attached love with that, just I'm speaking my truth, you really do lose a chance to get a hearing. Right. And at the same time, if you just affirm and don't have any prophetic voice, then there's no sense of challenging culture or speaking into culture in any substantial way. I think there's kind of a caricature of this. You know, if you ever go to a ball game or something and somebody's standing on a on a box kind of yelling at people who go by about their eternal destiny, that's kind of the caricature of the person who's all true with no relationship, mm-hmm. no love. Mm-hmm. And then, the, again, the other side is when people say, well, you just have to be Jesus with skin on kind of a idea. And there's never a, a challenge statement. It's just, we love people, and no one knows why you're so loving or so kind. But when you really put those together, you do find, I think, some opportunities to engage with people in a way that's really substantial. Hmm. Boy, that's a really wise take, isn't it? Just realizing the intricacies of how we communicate and how, you know, the ways in which we we talk or don't talk, betray what we really think of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and how easy it is to end up withdrawing, just throwing your hands up, but that that's actually abandoning truth and abandoning love. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. how often that is. And I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day as well, and I was thinking about this whole thing. We have a, a dog uh, that we rescued a year or so ago, and he's become something that we enjoy and love in our family. And every now and then we'll go and go for a hike in the woods where he can be free and just run. And whenever we come back, we always give him a bath. Now, some of that's for us. We don't want the dirt and stuff in our house. But we also do it for him because if you live in Pennsylvania and you let your dog run free, they'll often get ticks and they end up with Lyme's disease and getting lame. But whenever we go to give him a bath, he becomes dead weight, gets ornery, <laughs> has no desire for the bath, and he doesn't understand that we're, we're doing it for his good. 
but it would be unloving to not give him a bath. And I think it's important for Christians in our day and age to say it's unloving to not challenge culture, mm-hmm. but it's unwise to challenge culture without loving people and communicating love well enough that they'll even give you a, a hearing. To do that and to do it well, Kurt, you first have to have a strong knowledge of what it is to be a believer in Christ and to look at the culture and understand how whacked it is. Well, and it probably really goes back to your own understanding of the gospel. If if I believe in my core that God likes me because of my performance, then I won't love people and my truth won't resonate. But if I know that I'm radically loved by God right. in spite of my shortcomings, then it's easy to love people because I don't see myself as being any better. I just see myself as an object of God's love. And the same thing's true with the challenge side. If, if, if the cross brings together love and truth, then I understand that that's also a truth that, that's there, that's, that's universal, that's true. And it and it brings those things together in such a way that I am not um, constrained to flip onto one side or the other or to just step back into withdrawal. We're talking to Kurt Bjorklund, senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Uh, Kurt, John and I have been talking a couple times over the last, I don't know, two, three, four weeks about people we've seen in public who are posting videos of themselves. And um, these are politically charged videos about an, an issue, you know, here, there, and, you know, different people in different spaces. But the one thing that links them all is that as people are expressing their opinion, they're they're breathless. They're they're so intent on getting their feelings out that they're almost taken to another place where they're not really logical. They're not really saying, you know, expressing an argument. Well, it's like it kind of emotion has taken over. Um, I'm sure you've seen videos like this. Um, they usually engender a lot of conversation on Twitter. Um, but it, it makes me think that sometimes we as Christians get like that when we talk about culture. It's kind of like we are we get so emotionally caught up in the fact that, I don't know, we think that the world ought to be cleaner or better or something and and we're, we're somehow higher than the culture, whatever it is, we, we tend to, instead of, we lose our edge of winsomeness and just recognizing that God is still in charge of all of this and we end up getting really keyed up and tight. Yeah, no, and again, I think that goes back to not fully appreciating the gospel in our own lives, seeing ourselves as somehow on the right side of things rather than saying, Jesus is the right one, and I've um, come to receive his grace. And so I'm an instrument of offering that grace, and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't positions that are right, and there isn't a time to speak, but it means that, that the whole demeanor will be different if we understand and, and appreciate that in our own lives. I'm into that. Kirk Bjorklin, Senior Pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, uh, talk for a second about uh, what's happening at Orchard Hill. Oh, yeah, we just opened a new location in the Strip District. Which we looks terrific. It, Kurt, it looks so terrific. I haven't been there in person, but I've looked at every photo online. It just looks awesome. Yeah, we're really pleased with the way that turned out, and the congregation there is growing and thriving and just an exciting time. Uh, 
great things continue just to happen in Wexford. Our campus in Butler County is growing as well. So, uh, yeah, really uh, exciting times for Orchard Hill. And we actually just uh, this coming weekend are going to be celebrating 30 years of existence as a church. And so that's a fun little milestone to admit that it was 30 years ago that that the church uh, was founded. And so the other night this week, two nights ago, or last night I guess it was, I went out to dinner with uh, a lot of the founders that are still around the church, people who were part of the original group. And it's kind of cool. Many of them, in days when the church was being started, put their houses up for collateral for the initial loan for the church to get started. Uh, they've all been released from that now, as the church has done done better. But just, you know, when you see that kind of sacrifice mm-hmm. for people for a church, yep. it's so um, inspiring sure. uh, for me and for others, I'm sure, just to say there's, you know, people who've believed in something uh, for that long and that significantly. Yep, and sacrificed for it. It's a wonderful story. Kurt Bjorklund, Senior Pastor of Orchard Hill Church. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides, and for good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original mattress factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tun Chilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. If you've been thinking about a new car or truck, now is the time. This month, you could save 18% off the MSRP on select 2018 models still in stock. For example, the Chevy Cruze, Malibu, and Silverado all qualify. And you could buy with confidence knowing the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. That's the great Leon Redbone, passed away today at the age of 69. Yep. Dig him. He is just terrific. Yeah, if you don't know him, go check him out on YouTube. Yeah. Because it's really cool stuff. Yeah, and you'll think, really? That voice is coming out of that man? Yeah. <laughs> really? How can that be? Right. Anyway, if you missed any portion of our show today, find our podcast on iTunes or find us on our website, johnandcathyshow.com. Very nice. Hey, God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. In the meantime, uh, stay dry. Can you please stay dry? Let's go, Bucks. It's a mess out there. I don't know. I'm supposed to go to the game You're tonight. You're going. I'm going to go. You're going. Rep- hashtag represent. Will they play? I guess that's the question. We'll find out. They'll play.
Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.